Welcome to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us today. The last time we talked to grain markets was back in December and prices were going pretty strong. Uh, Then the invasion of Ukraine happened a couple months after that, adding even more volatility to the markets. And that really drove prices up through most of the spring. And then things seemed to cool off in July a little bit. And then we've seen some recent movement here in the last few days. So we have Andrea Flowers with us from Cargill. She's joining us again to shed some light on the markets and hopefully give us some advice on how to deal with all the uncertainty that has been driving the markets lately. So welcome, Andrea. Hi, thank you. I'm glad to be here again. Would you give us a quick introduction of your role at Cargill? Sure. I am a grain origination specialist. I work at Cargill and Sydney primarily, but I do try to buy grain, corn to Dayton, you know, grain to Lima, Cincinnati, Bloomingburg, any of our facilities around the state, but primarily focus on beans to Sydney. Great. So let's um, start off with the movements that we've been seeing in the corn and soybean market over the last few days. And let's talk about what's really driving that. Okay. Here the last couple of days, um, we've gotten started with the Pro Farmer Tour that started on Monday. And everybody has been nervous in the market around what do the yields really look like out there. There's been such a variety of weather. You had some wet areas through the spring, um, some really wet areas in, in kind of the northern part of the Corn Belt. Um, we've had some droughty weather. Then we've had really like when you look at the east, we've had some really nice rains through July and the first part of August, but that isn't necessarily the case in the west where they've dealt with a lot drier conditions and warmer conditions than normal. Now, as we've gotten Pro Farmer out doing their crop tour, and a lot of times you can see the market move a little bit based on what they find out in the field, but I think it's even so much more important this year because of some of the other macro factors that are going on in the market. But so far, their reports are coming back with information like the market may have expected. Um, They've started, so far, they've done, uh, on Monday, they surveyed South Dakota and Ohio. Uh, Yesterday, they did Nebraska and Indiana. Today, they've moved into Illinois and Western Iowa. And then tomorrow, they'll finish up in Iowa and they'll go through Minnesota. And then on Friday, we'll get a final yield estimate from them. Um, And this year it has affected the market a lot more because especially in the West, they're finding a lot more challenging conditions than what we've seen the last few years. And considering today, everything that's going on, the market is really counting on the U.S. to have a big crop because we're going to be so much more a big factor in the export market going into this next year. So with them coming back with reports of maybe a little bit lower yields than what the market might have initially been expecting, it's, it's brought some funds buying money back into the market. It's really started to affect the technical situation when you look at the charts for corn and beans. It's starting to suggest that at least short term, we've got a little bit of upside opportunity. Now, how long that lasts, you know, it's anybody's guess, but at least short term, For those who are trying to finish making old crop sales, it is really a good opportunity to try to finalize and finish some of that 
But then it's also a good time to be looking at making sure you've got your new crop sales where you want those to be. Um, and even we've tried to start encouraging people to take a look at crop year 23 as well and begin to make sales out there. So there's been a lot of things that have happened that have been affecting the markets lately, you know, Ukraine and Russia being one of those. Could you go into a little bit of detail about how that's shaken things up in the last, what, six months or so now? Sure. I mean, obviously with the Russian invasion of Ukraine, it has definitely put the market uh, into a stress factor. A lot of countries counted on the Ukraine to export grain to those countries, you know, to feed people. And now they have not been able to do that. Now, over the last couple of weeks, they have finally gotten an agreement uh, with Russia through a third party to load some boats and get some of that grain that's in the, the storage facilities out and, and get that out into the market again. That here prior to this week was putting some weight on the prices because we were finally starting to see them get some grain into the market again. It was it was allowing us to, to feel maybe a little bit less stress on the grain supplies out there. Now here in the last couple of days, I think they've slowed down and maybe stopped shipping again. So we'll have to see how things progress there. Um, but with that invasion, when you look at Ukraine, um, you know, traditionally they're going to grow somewhere around 40 million metric tons of corn. And I think right now the USDA has them pegged somewhere around 28 million. And so it is a significant difference on what they're going to be able to produce this year, you know, just looking at corn alone. And obviously you've got wheat, you've got um, some small grain, other small grains, you've got um, sunflowers, so forth that, that factor in there that too are not we're just not going to be able to see them produce the amount of grain that they have in the past. Plus, you also have some weather problems in parts of Europe. Um, now, there's some pretty good supplies and, and, and pretty good production numbers that coming out of some of the countries, but we have seen a little bit of weather situation in some of the other countries, which, again, is going to put a little bit more pressure on the U.S. to produce a bigger crop and be able to participate in the export market even more than we've done in the past. Um, China, as we move forward, really what, what is our relationship with China gonna be? Obviously you got a political impact that you know is still a little bit delicate with Taiwan. The market's really kind of watching that. But today the assumption is it's gonna be status quo with, with our relationship Therefore, the assumption is China's going to continue to, to buy. And, and over the last couple of weeks, they have. They've continued to buy U.S. corn, uh, U.S. beans this year and next year. And, you know, there is some thought that today, when you look at their numbers, that they still are a little bit lagging on their needs uh, of soybeans for the fall, that they still need to buy a decent amount of bushels that they're going to use here through the fall and winter. And the market is anticipating that we could get a little bit more business from China here over the next few months. Um, then you start laying out, they're talking about some drought. They're calling it a heat wave in Southwestern China. And they're saying it's the, the hottest it's been since 1961. So it is a fairly significant event. And how much of the crop that that's going to represent and hurt for them is a little bit unknown yet. But it does open the opportunity down the road that where typically we think of China and we think of beans, it could even be a bigger player for the U.S. for corn into the next year. And that has got to play out yet. I think today traders are kind of in that mode of anything can happen. 
And we just want to make sure that we're prepared and, and can be fluid and we can move with the market as soon as we start seeing these things. Um, we'll have to determine how this is going to lay out over the next couple of months as we see how weather finishes up and see how the U.S. crop finally ends. So where does China stand with how much they are importing? Because a few years ago we were talking about they drastically cut back their imports then they were supposed to be taking more. Where are we at today with, say, what, 2017, 18? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I guess I can't tell you where they stand, you know, because there was a certain amount they had agreed to take at a certain amount in, in that trade. And, you know, they were lagging. They came back in and they bought a bunch of bushels. From a standpoint of how that um, agreement stood, I, I guess I can't really tell you for sure. But what we have seen is they've come back and, and they're still very cyclical, you know, uh, from a standpoint of we do, we did see um, a little bit of a decrease, I believe in, in exports to them this year, but that's not so much because of maybe any disagreements or anything. It was just more along the lines of what did they need to do to fill in places. Uh, Brazil had a nice second crop corn, which has helped um, fill in some of the gaps that they may have needed before. The thing we're going to have to really watch into this next year is where the world needs the U.S. crop. But what we're seeing happen today is the U.S. dollar continues to go up in relation to other currencies. And that starts making the U.S. look a little bit less um, uh, competitive to other countries. The problem is if the other countries don't have any grain to sell, you know, the world gets forced you know, to buy from the U.S. But as we get into the next couple months and we start seeing South America plant their beans, the expectation is we're going to see a, a large amount of acres go into Brazil more than normal. Um, Argentina, I think, will do as much as they can. They're dealing with some high inflation right now, which has got farmers not wanting to spend any money. In fact, they, I don't want to say they're hoarding grain. They are just not selling the grain that they have as fast as they might normally do so, because I think they're a little bit worried about what am I really going to be able to afford to plant in this next year? Um, so it, it will be really interesting as we go forward to see how do all those dynamics work together to uh, will we have the opportunity to grow exports even more into next year compared to what they've been in the past or whether they be, you know, really more normal kind of normal numbers. Today, when you look at the, the USDA estimate for uh, corn exports for next year, they actually have a little bit smaller number in the corn export number for next year. Um, but again, it's going to be subject to change depending on how China's crop comes out, how the rest of Europe fares, uh, how many more bushels are really going to get out of the Ukraine that's, that's currently in storage. Um, what Ukraine has planted, will it actually get harvested? Really a lot of questions that we just don't have the answers for yet, but something we're going to have to continue to watch. Uh, from a bean perspective, USDA has the, the export number very similar to on par uh, to what this past year has been, um, but honestly wouldn't be surprised to see that continue to go up as well as we move forward. And so currently with this crop tour that's going on, the pro farmer tour that's going on, it's probably affecting the market a lot more than maybe it has in the past. And I think part of that is because of these, these factors we're talking about with Ukraine and China and, you know, the, U, the world needing the U.S. crop, that it, we really have to have a good crop. You know, I've said that multiple times now, and, and the market's just so nervous about how things are going to play out because 
suddenly if you take the soybean yield down, you know, a, a bushel uh, from the current estimate of 51.9 national average, you know, suddenly you're taking about 88 million bushels out of the carryout. And currently we're looking at a 245 million bushel carryout for beans right now is what USDA has posted. But you start taking yield out suddenly, you know, it's very easy to get us down to like 150 million bushel carryout going into this next year if you keep chipping away at that yield. And the market's extremely nervous about that. You know, you look at corn and a, kind of a very similar situation. Every bushel you take out of it, you lose about 80 million bushels in the carryout. And right now we're less than a 1.4 billion bushel carryout, which is less than last year for corn. And you start eating into that yield. And that's the one that looks like uh, pro farmers probably going to hit pretty good in their guesstimate. Suddenly, you know, do you see a carryout that's closer to 1.1 or, or maybe 1 billion bushels in general? And that's extremely tight. And, you know, I, I, I do believe there's futures opportunities in this market, but it does make me a little bit nervous because today we're already trading higher than normal. And so I hate to get people too bullish and thinking that suddenly, oh, we're going to take beans back to $18 and we're going to take corn back to eight because I don't necessarily think that. Um, I think there's going to be some periods of time that you know, once the market gets a little bit comfortable with what the U.S. yield is going to be, I think we could see this market fall into harvest time. And then I think it could just be a factor of where are bushels, where are they needed? And then I think you start seeing some basis opportunities that are going to play out into next year. And that leads right into our next question for you. Um, where do you see basis moving in Ohio as we look into harvest and, and then beyond harvest this year? Yeah, you know, honestly, I do think um, we're going to have basis levels for the fall very normal at this point. That, that's what I think today. And the reason I say it is we're still going to be dealing with um, some, some logistics issues from a standpoint of rail cars not showing up when they're needed, when they're needed. You know, trucks, oh boy, trucks have just been crazy trying to have enough drivers to put in the trucks. Um, and so the logistics piece could keep it uh, to be on a more normal path. But on the flip side of that, I do think basis beyond harvest could be kind of interesting because, you know, I've talked to customers this year that have so finally cleaned out their bins and have sold two and three year old corn and beans. And they're finally cleaning out their bins, you know, for the first time in two or three years. And when you look at it this fall, it would suggest there's going to be some more open space than what we've had the last couple of years on farms. And um, with maybe lower yields than we had last year, um, it just suggests there's going to be more places to put grain. And so logistics in the fall could keep it very similar in basis. But what I really try to encourage customers to think about is if you know you want to haul some corn or you want to haul some beans or, or, um, anything in January or February or March, start thinking about pricing it as a futures only contract because, you know, current basis levels, when, when we look at our, our facilities today, you know, we're looking at, at negative basis numbers for those timeframes, you know, minus five, minus 10, minus 20, whatever it might be for the, even for the December, January, and February kind of slots. But by the time we get there, I, I just really have a hard time believing we're not going to be plus zero or better. And 
any kind of selling you want to do beyond harvest time, I have advised customers, go ahead and do it as a futures only contract. If you're selling it for fall delivery, just go ahead and set the basis and, and call it good. Now, if you're going to have some early season um, quarter beans, you know, we do have a little bit of better basis opportunity in Sydney for some earlier September bushels or whatnot. And I think we will uh, at our facilities for corn as well. Um, but when, you know, the heat of harvest, you know, first of October, middle of October, I just don't know that we're going to do anything better than historicals for that time of year. Of the year. Right. So it sounds like there's still a lot of unknowns maybe over the next week. Well, by the time we release this podcast, we'll know what the crop tour results are. Maybe just a quick summary of what we've talked about and kind of where you think things are going to finish okay. up here today. Yeah. Today, I really, I really believe we're probably going to move into, I'm going to call it a more normal type of, of pattern next year in the market. You know, when you look at the last few years, especially this last year, um, the market really didn't trade according to what we would normally expect from a carryout situation and, and production situation and so forth. It, there was so much outside influence in the market, outside money that came into the market that unnaturally, and I'm going to call it unnaturally, moved the market higher um, compared to what our actual true corn and bean fundamentals suggested they should be. And so I feel like maybe as we move out into this next year of, you know, the Ukraine, Russia situation, you know, as we get into February, that'll be a year that, that that's been going on. I, and I don't want to call that normal, but, you know, the market's been figuring out how to deal with it for, for a long window of time now. You know, we, we feel like unless something blows up with China, we feel like things are getting a little bit more back to normal with, with China. Um, South America, which has had some sort of weather problem each of the last three years, you know, kind of they're due for a really big crop. And potentially, you know, this might be that year. Um, what I do think into this next year is I do think there's going to be some opportunities. As Cargill, we really have gone down the path of advising people to be a little bit more aggressive on, you know, your 2022 crop sales versus normal because futures levels are so high versus historicals. And if we do finally get back into that more normal kind of pattern, it would suggest it probably will be lower. It does make me think, I'm telling customers, put your offers in, any offer you want, put it in because you know, there is opportunity for fireworks yet, um, but let's put it in. Let's just keep watching it. If it doesn't get there, then we can always readjust as we learn new things. Um, so I don't want people to be super bullish going into this next year, but I do want people to try to take advantage because we could see some crazy things yet in the futures market. I do indeed think we're going to have opportunities on basis. Uh, so I am trying to encourage people to think about those offers as well and that we can kind of keep in touch on what delivery windows they want to try to deliver in so that we can help them maximize that basis side of it as well as the future side. All right. Well, this has been really helpful in clearing up kind of what's playing in the market right now, where you think it's going. Hopefully those listening are able to use this information moving forward. So thanks for your time today, Andrea, as always. Yeah, I always appreciate doing this. So thank you so much for inviting me again. Yeah, and we'll put your contact information into the podcast description if anyone needs to reach out to you for more advice. Fantastic. So, I right. appreciate it. Yep, thank you. 
Thanks for listening to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. Join us again in two weeks for our next episode. Hey, podcast listeners. Just a reminder to give us a like or subscribe so you know when we release new episodes. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to leave us a review also. We appreciate the comments.